Bibles to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. And I hope that for a few moments there that you will, I know we're going to have the, the, the verses on the screen and stuff like that, but maybe if you can kind of hold your Bibles open because we might need to be looking back at some things and recognizing some things that we've just read. The problem with putting it up on the screen is just kind of verse by verse, and we can't look at it the whole. But it's nice to be able to, to kind of go back and to see all of that there. But John chapter 17, it's, um, if you want to just kind of hang on to that for just a while and uh, for just a few moments, I guess, uh, longer. Um, you know, I think that ever since I can remember, I, I, I think about this passage, but I, I think also of this idea of prayer, and I think that... Um, Man, from my own life, my own experiences ever since I can remember, um, in my, all of my growing up, um, my family, we always did, we had all the time, we always, uh, we always prayed whenever we sat down to a meal, whenever, whenever uh, before we ended, did anything else, we always, we always began to, we prayed a lot as, as, a, as a family, as uh, to, together. And, and in fact, it wasn't just at meal times. You know, oftentimes before we went to bed, there are other times. Certainly, um, I can remember as a as a kid, um, over and over and over. And some of you may relate to this because of our prayer chain. Sometimes that somebody will call and say, or or text or or email or whatever, and say, Hey, can uh, can you pray about this? Or you know, they have something that they want to put on the prayer chain. And when I was growing up, my mom and dad just as soon as they got the call, it used to happen by phone all the time, right? We didn't have all that other stuff. But as soon as we got the call, dad, mom would pull us children in, and we just right there, we stopped everything we did, and we just prayed about whatever it was. And uh, it just was something that um, we did, and it, it just began to, for me, that was kind of a natural thing in my, in my house. I guess I, I sort of kind of got used to that. I really didn't know any better, I guess, is what I'm trying to say, um, because not only was it something that we did in our home, we did that out in the public, whether we were, whether we were, um, you know, in a restaurant or, we, we, you know, wherever we were, we did it at church, and, and so for me, it was just kind of a normal thing to pray, to be in prayer. Um, I, I don't know really, I guess, when it really became something that was uh, sort of uh, maybe felt kind of... I don't, the, the point at which it maybe became, it felt a little odd to me, I guess. Um, I, I don't know if there was ever a time that really, other than the fact that I do remember as a young kid, I guess, uh, in the cafeteria at school, and, and my kids talk about this a little bit, but, you know, being in the cafeteria, and I felt like, you know, I didn't really want to call attention to myself, and, um, and so I just kind of leaned down and, and tied my shoe underneath the table, you know, um, but I really wasn't tying my shoe. I was praying under the table. I, just, I, I guess at the time, I don't know, maybe I was embarrassed. I don't know. Um, but I, I did that. I'd be praying for my meal then. But, um, you know, I, I, I guess all that to say that it must have rubbed off on me because I have made it a habit of mine whenever I eat, uh, whether I'm at home, whether I'm at a restaurant, doesn't matter. Um, I typically don't worry where I'm at. I just go ahead and pray, or, you know, when I get an email or a phone call from um, someone with a prayer request, uh, I, I begin to pray, and it just seems like 
to me, it just seems like a natural thing for me to do. And it, it, um, it, it's, I, I think that was the way that it worked out with the disciples, too. I, I just want to rehearse for you just a handful of verses before we come to our text here. Um, so maybe if you just listen on on this, because there's a lot of verses that are here. The first one uh, starts, uh, this one is in Luke chapter 3, starts at Jesus' bapti baptism, and it says, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too, and he was, he was praying, and as he was praying, it says heaven was opened. Luke chapter 5, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Luke chapter 6, one of those days Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. Or Luke chapter 9, once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked this, well, he asked them a question. And uh, also in Luke chapter 9, uh, about eight days after Jesus had said this, to, he took Peter, James, and John with him and went up on a mountainside to pray. Luke chapter 11, one day when Jesus was praying in a one day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. I mean, it's just a common occurrence in their life, and they, somehow in the course of that relationship that, that Jesus had with his disciples, he seemed to, uh, to allow them into this, these private moments that he had where they began to watch him pray. And one of the things that happened was that they learned that Jesus' prayer oftentimes revealed his heart. And I think it's an invitation to come to John chapter 7 and just for us as, as a, a group of people just to listen in on Jesus' prayer. The disciples had that opportunity from time to time along mountainsides. Uh, and, and yet here we are in Viroqua, Wisconsin with an opportunity to actually come alongside of Jesus to one of us, one of his prayers. So I invite you, as I asked before, you know, we're going to said that we'll be in in Luke chapter, or I'm sorry, John chapter 17, and we're going to read that that passage there together. So if you, if you could follow along, uh, we'll read that now. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed. Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now, that they, now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. 
All I have is yours and all you have is mine and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name that you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have full so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world for for them I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them, and you in me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved me even as I have loved, even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be, the, to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you. And they know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. It's a great prayer, isn't it? <coughs> I think of a family that was in uh, our congregation in Footville, just a kind of a typical family uh, a uh, traditional family. There was mom and a dad and four kids. Uh, I think it was four kids, three, ki four kids. Yeah, um, two of them. There was th there was two that were still in school, and one of them, the son, uh, well, kind of your, your typical teenager, I guess, was in his teenage years was kind of decided that he'd be a little bit rebellious and and so on, and uh, he just really didn't want to do what his parents wanted him to do, and, and in fact, he just. He didn't really want to live the kind of Christian life that he knew he was supposed to. And, but he came in uh, one evening uh, trying to kind of tiptoe past his uh, parents' room. You ever had some of you, maybe this is bringing up some memories, right? But sneaking by in the middle of the night, tipping past and recognized that his mom's light was on. And um, it, the door was just kind of cracked just slightly and so he as he walked by, he kind of peeked into his, into, into his parents' room. And uh, he realized that from the time that he had been gone until, I mean, this is a typical time that his mom would have been in bed, but from the time that he had been gone until, um, and, and even as, as he was walking by her door, that his mom was on her knees and she was praying, and she was praying for her son. And he actually heard that. He stood at that door. He listened as she began to pray to God and just to cry out to God for her son. And, and uh, 
is something that really struck him and, and it actually turned him around. Uh, an amazing story, but I think that that's a little bit something like what we read in these first few verses in this text right here in John chapter 17. It's, it's uh, where you see what you're looking at here is a private prayer of Jesus. You're, you're really getting in and it's like we're being able to, to see him in this moment of privacy and it's, it's, a play, it's a time where he actually longs for, if you hear what he's saying, he longs for our belief. He longs for our belief. I mean, he just, he just readily acknowledges that while he was in the world, that his life was able to convince us that, that we ought to be believers. He talks about the fact that the disciples had the opportunity to observe his relationship with the Father. They, they could see him do his miracles. They, they, um, they could observe the things that he was doing, and that led the disciples really to understand and to begin to believe in him. He came into the world as, as, as this obedient person. You think about Philippians chapter 2 or John chapter 1. The, the disciples were encountering Jesus in, in such a way that they saw his obedience to God the Father, and that led them to have the same kind of obedience. Jesus longs. He longs for that. Jesus longed for the people to be obedient to the Father like he was obedient. He longed for them to become believers. In fact, John's gospel has that really, I think, as, as, as its dominant theme. One of the things that we'll see as we get towards the end of this book here, uh, and we'll hear, we'll actually hear these words, these things I have written, he says, so that you might come to believe. But it is, as a matter of fact, I think why here at New Life we would have this kind of a series that talks about encountering, the, having these encounters with Jesus. We, that's really our focus. It needs to be our focus. And, is for, you know, we want anyone who, who has not yet met Jesus to really encounter him and come to believe, right? Isn't that what we're about? We need to be about that. In fact, that might be why we would have things like a, a clothing drive, right? Um, not so that we can fill the cal calendar with something to do on a Saturday afternoon, right, ladies? Um, but so that we would have this opportunity to say to our community and the you know, around us that we, there's someone whose name is Jesus who longs for you to believe in him. It might be why we would encourage our youth uh, when it comes in the summertime and there's camps or there's opportunities for, for Bible things to go on, but I think a summer Bible camp, you know, not so that they have something to do with the week of their time, but so that in fact they can encounter Jesus and that that might draw them into a relationship with him so that they might believe in him. It might be why we have Bible studies and family nights and men's breakfasts and, and ladies' uh, Bible studies so that we have something to, not so that we have something to give our lives to during the week, right? We don't have them for the sake of having them, but so that we might come to know Jesus better and so that we might believe and so that we might better understand who he is because Jesus See, here's the point. Jesus has this insatiable, insatiable desire for people to believe. And so that's why he prayed, Father, here I am. He says, I've, I've done my job, and these people have accepted my words. My prayer 
is for, is for them. They've accepted my words. My prayer life, my personal prayer life has, I think, continued to improve over the years. Sometimes it's been, I, I guess, the, the up and down kind of thing, I guess. I, I don't know if your prayer life is like that or not, where, you have, where it has its ups and downs. You know, sometimes it's up, sometimes it's down. It, it, it just seems to me that certain experiences in my life have brought about that kind of an impact where I've been driven more fervently to my knees. Uh, experiences that I've had, you know, college, uh, seminary, getting married, um, leading, serving in the church, standing alongside of people as they wrestle with some of life's tough issues in their life. It just, it's driven, those kinds of things that have just driven me to my knees, and, and probably most recently is my children. Um, and I guess I can tell you that ever since they've been in our lives, I mean, my prayer life has just gone up. It's increased Im immensely. Um, Lord, keep them safe. When they're sick, when they're in school, because you know they get exposed to so many things, right? Lord, keep them safe. Protect them, right? Uh, to be really honest with you, that's really not my number one prayer request, right? It's not my, uh, it's not my number one prayer concern. I, I think that there are much more important things to pray for uh, in this world than, than to be safe. I'd much, rather, I'd much rather pray that people would be Christian than be safe. And yet when it's your kids, right? I mean, they, they are so impressionable. Well, we pray a lot that they'll be safe. That God will somehow protect them when they're out, out there in the world, out from underneath our care, as if we really have any ability to protect them anyway, right? But see, it's the natural thing that we do for the people that we love. And I think that's exactly what Jesus prays for in the second part of this prayer. From verse number 9 on, this is his priestly prayer where he longs for our protection. And so in verse 9 he says, I pray for them that you would protect them. And I've been protecting them, he said. And I, I've been in this world, I've been here, I haven't lost any of them, I've watched over them. And yet he says, I realize that I'm leaving. And because I'm leaving, I'm going to be turning all of this over to you, Father. I'm, Lord, you will have to protect them because I'm not going to be here to take care of them anymore. And, and, and he's very explicit what he wants because if you look at verse number 11, he, he prays that God would protect them so that they can experience this intimacy, this closeness, this relationship with the Father. He wants them to have this, the, that same kind of sense of, of, of uh, unity, of, of oneness with God, the same kind of oneness that he has with God. Uh, somebody once said it this way, marriage is not sharing the same address. You hear what I'm saying there? You hear what that? There's, there's a whole lot to marriage than, than just sharing the same geographical like location, right, or territory. There's that there's something about the intimacy of that relationship where we get to know one another and we share one another's life. 
See, that's what, God, that's what Jesus is praying for, that in the relationship that we have with Jesus, that there's, this, there's a personalness to the thing. There's a, there's a closeness that, that we actually know Him, that He knows us, and that we have that sense of relationship, which I think speaks to the fact that, that that's what new life is, is about. It's this place where we, we come to know, each, uh, know Jesus better. It's it, finding that intimacy... It isn't a place where we come to fulfill our weekly obligation, right? You know, if, oh, hey, I've been in church this week. Or that we can go to the calendar, we can check it off, yeah, I've been in church, right? Or he did that. It's, it's a place where you come and you are drawn into that relationship with somebody who gave his life for you. In verse 13, he prays for our joy that our joy will be complete, that we'll experience the joy of being in a relationship with Jesus. We've already talked about the fact that, that that's not a statement about happiness, right? It's a statement about this inner fulfillment. It's a statement that has, has to do with our life, that, that being so full of Him, even when life may be a little difficult. And He says, I want you to have joy in the midst of that. He prays in verse number 19 that we would become holy. Literally, that, literally it's, it's, a, it's a word that means that we be set apart, even as He is set apart. Sanctified is the word that we find in the, in, in the New International Version. It, it, but it's such, a, it's, it, it's such a foreign word to us, that word. Sanctification, set, you know. Um, it just simply means that we have been set apart. He wants us to be set apart. He, he says, I'm not asking that you take them out of the world. In fact, you're not going to take them out of the world, but I don't want them to be like the world. I want them to be different than the world. So protect them from the world. Protect them from letting the world get into them. So I look at verse number 17 and I realize that in order for us to be different than the world, he says that, well, his word is going to have to be in us because his word is truth. I mean, he focuses on that idea of getting the truth into us and us into the truth and us being separated from the world because we understand the, the truth. And so, well, I guess it, it, it's why we would have Sunday school for our, our kids on Sunday morning. We want to make sure that, you know, we that our children have some opportunity um, for we want them to come to know Christ and, and His truth. Or, um, you know, we just don't want our... It's not just that we want our children to be safe, right? We want them to learn about Jesus because we understand that the Word is truth and if we're going to have any answer to Jesus' prayer for protection, it's going to be because we have or they have the Word of God in them, the truth in them. It's, I think, why we give our adults an opportunity to study Scripture, whether it's, you know, that's why we have women's Bible studies, that's why we have Sunday morning uh, Bible studies and, and things, we, because we want to see the Bible, and we want to see the Bible, or we want to see every person inside in the Bible. See, we want to encourage everyone, as James to, to not just merely listen to the Word, but to what? Do what it says, Right? and thereby experience the truth and the freedom that God has to offer. 
Because we understand that if we're going to get to know Jesus, that's how it's going to happen. See, Jesus has this insatiable desire for people to know who he is, to really know who he is, and to walk in fellowship, to, to walk in rich relationship with him. I, I'm not sure if I've mentioned this to you before or not. I don't talk about it a lot, but in June of 1978, um, I, was, I was actually visiting with my, my grandparents. I was over at their house. I don't know, I guess 78, that's about probably five years before I, gra I graduated in 1983 from high school. But anyway, um, my brother at age 16 had, had run away from home. We actually didn't hear from him for two whole months. I um, mean, you can imagine, and any of us here can somehow imagine the kind of care, uh, the kind of concern, the kind of heartache that that must have brought upon uh, my parents, and especially for all of our family. Um, my brother did finally call on August 26th. It was my dad's birthday. Uh, he was in Beatrice, Nebraska, and he, then we never heard from him again until about Thanksgiving. He came home then at Thanksgiving, ate Thanksgiving dinner with us, with our family, with my grandparents, my parents, and our aunts and uncles, with the whole group. And then he gathered up all his belongings. He was gone again. I don't, I don't really have time to share everything with you, but for the next 15 years, we heard very little from my brother. He finally ended up in Oregon, and where most of the time, if, he, if we did hear from him, he was either in jail or he was in prison. And yet I, I witnessed this, and I know that it happened quite often. My parents continued to pray for the day. There were a lot of people that said that he would never, ever come back the way that he... Um, we would never know him again. But my parents continued to pray for the day that they would see him again. And I, I remember, I remember getting the call in August of 1995. And it was my mom, and she wanted to let me know that she had just heard from my brother and that after 15 years, he was coming home. And then she started to cry and she hung up. But I want you to think about that. Fifteen years with very little word from her son. And it's very much, I think, like the last part of this text here. Because there you see Jesus' personal prayer where he longs for our presence. Do you hear that? Lord, I want them to come and be with you or be with me where I am. I want them to have the privilege of showing them this place that you have set aside for me. And just like in verse number 9, he says, I pray for them. Down here he says, I want you to know that I'm praying for those who still believe in me because of them. He, but he's talking about you and he's talking about me. Back in John chapter 17, uh, back in John 17, two, in, in 2,000 years ago, that means that you and I, we were already on his mind. We were already in Jesus' prayers because he longs for your presence. He desires for you to walk in intimacy with him. And one more time, he comes back to the very dominant theme within this, within this passage. Father, that they may be in me and that I may be, that they may be in me and in you just like we are one with one another. But I think that this kind of takes on a little bit of a different twist. 
Because this isn't just intimacy, this is intimacy with a purpose. Because back in verse 9, he says that, he says, I don't pray for the world. But down here in verse number 23, he specifically says, I am in them, you are in, them, in me. May they be brought to complete unity so that or to let the world know that you sent me. To let the world know that you sent me and that you love them. You hear the difference? It wasn't his job to win the world. It was his job to create disciples. It was the disciples' job to go into the world and to make a difference. And that's what he begins to pray. He longs for the world. Um, and incidentally, that's the fourth point on the outline, if you want to write that into your outline there. thought I'd add another one for you, keep it a little bit in. He longs for the world. He, he has this insatiable desire to know people in, in every generation. And so at New Life, remember what our vision is? Become a community of believers who looks like Jesus, seeking to change lives within the church, uh, across the street, and around the world. We really want to do everything we can to live and to act in such a way that when people see us, that they don't really see us, but rather we want them to see Jesus shining through us because we want people to come to know Jesus. Do you believe that? And I believe with all my heart that if we, that truly is our desire. If that's what we want for people to see Jesus, to really see Jesus, that that will happen. I had something really neat happen to me this week on the bus. And, um, it was actually really, really kind of cool. Um, it was actually very cool, really cool. I pick up students. Um, I go over here to uh, the charter school over here by, by the Baroque High School and pick up students from there. I go over to um, Pleasant Ridge and the Youth Initiative Schools and uh, kids from Westby that, that we drop off there and then also Cornerstone. And I have kind of a route where I pick those up. And uh, one night I actually picked up, um, I didn't have anybody from, from Pleasant Ridge. I just had one student from the ch charter school and I had one student from Cornerstone that actually got on the bus. It was really interesting because um, I won't mention names so that I can protect the in innocent, but um, I, I stopped by and picked up uh, a gal from the charter school and then we drove over to Cornerstone and we picked up a gal from there. And I was driving on, and I, sometimes I'm listening to what they're saying, and all of a sudden something, they started this conversation, and I, I could hear what they're talking about. I was like, did I just hear what they said? And, and so I, I had to shut my window so I could actually hear what they were saying, you know, because the wind was going by. And, but but the, the gal from Cornerstone, she, she, uh, she says to the other gal from the charter school, she says, it's just this one of those moments, do you believe that the world was created? She says, and she's still talking, she says, you know, see, I, I don't believe that it was, she says, I believe that it was created. I, I have a hard time just believing that somehow God just, or, or that, that somehow this, this all was an accident, that boom, and then all of a sudden it just kind of fell in there. And she says, you know, she starts talking about that. And from that question, she asked this girl, the other girls are like, wow. She says, I've never thought about it before. 
is the world created? In fact, after the one got off the bus, I still had one, and we, her and I started to, the, the same gal started talking about about what that means, and and it was just really really cool. But but uh, you know, did you believe that? And, and but they started to talk about um, the girl from Cornerstone started talking about her Christian life and why she believed that you know that. Uh, that God created the world. And she said, yeah, yeah, see, I'm a Christian, and, and I believe that God created the world. But the whole thing of that is, is to me, is, is it made me realize that, yes, in fact, that's what our, isn't that what we want? We want people to know Jesus. That's what we want. We want people to know Jesus. And that is his prayer. That we would come to know him personally. It's why we would, we would do things that we do around here because we want to reveal to people the heart of Jesus. Because what happens when you see Jesus, when you see his prayer, when you see him and when you listen to that prayer, you, begin to see, you actually begin to hear the heart of Jesus. And his heart is for, the, is, is for intimacy with people. He has this insatiable desire to know people personally and to fill their life with meaning, to fill their life with joy. And so the question I think for us is, is this, do we know Jesus? Do the people around us know Jesus? Are you walking with him? Is there that sense of personal intimacy between you and him, so that, that the intimacy that he longs for? He says, righteous father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and the ones that you sent me know you. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love that you have for me may be in them and I myself may be in them. He made himself known so that we also may make him known. And that's what we're here for at New Life to get to know Him, to walk in relationship with Him, but also to help others come to know Him. And if we know Him, we just can't keep that to ourselves, right? That's never what God wanted. That's never what Jesus wanted because He has an insatiable desire for the world. Amen? Let's pray together. God, it's, it's just such an exciting thing to know that you, I mean, we've just read this 